down the road, you'd be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the ones you did. So dream, explore, say yes to life. Be inspired to live life as an exciting adventure of discovery. You are listening to the Inspire Possibility Show, and I'm your host, Mark Sussman. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Inspire Possibility Show. Thanks for tuning in. And as you know, every week I invite various individuals to join us, people that I consider cutting-edge thought leaders, people who are visionaries, and, and, and people that I like. You know, and, and, and there's one person that I met recently who I think you'll like, too. He, he's a filmmaker. He's an actor. And actually, I went to a film that he produced called Welcome to the Men's Group. And, I, and being that I'd been in a, a couple of men's groups over the years, I was intrigued and and invited him to join us. And he, he's been a working actor his whole life. He's been in TV shows. Probably, I don't know if some of you uh, saw Mad Men, but that was a fairly uh, popular show. He's been in several movies, including The Arrival is one of them. And and there there are a whole bunch of them. There's probably 20 different films that he's been in. He actually produced a film called The Reflecting Pool, which was the first investigative drama to challenge the official version of the 9/11 attacks. And he's just somebody that is that has had an amazing career. And he's also was in Apollo 13. And he was in uh, Wild Hearts, and just a real interesting guy. And rather than me going on and talking about him, I'll let you listen to what he has to say himself. So welcome to the Inspire Possibility Show, Joseph Culp. Hey, thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And thank you for that uh, rosy introduction. Appreciate it. Well, good. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> I liked it. I'm glad Fine. you liked it. Yeah. yeah. So um, you've had you've had a very interesting career. I didn't realize when I invited you on the show that that uh, you've had such an interesting career. And I know your father was a well-known actor and and um, yes, Robert Cole. And how, how, I'm just curious. How did that? How did that influence you to, to to have somebody as successful as he was to be your dad? <laughs> and well, uh, that's always a good way to start the story of Joseph Culp because it starts with uh, certainly with his father Robert Culp, who was uh, many of you might know is was a pretty prominent actor in the uh, 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, uh, very was a big TV star, uh, a lot of movies, uh, especially in the 1960s. He was a key figure in what you might call the breakthrough of civil rights on television because he and Bill Cosby did a spy show called I Spy, where they were best friends. Okay. And, 
traveled traveled the world and you know and though I know you know we can there's story Cosby has a whole other chapter and <laughs> decades later but right. very important figure my dad was and he was instrumental in the civil rights movement in that sense and so I came out of that culture you know I grew up more or less in the 70s coming of age uh, you know by the end of that and so I grew up in a you know a show business kind of climate uh, I wasn't so much a showbiz kid I went away to schools like boarding schools and stuff. So I didn't, I wasn't around like LA all that much. You know, I had kind of a interesting upbringing that way. But, um, you know, I, I did, it was how it affected me was your question. And, you know, when you have a really famous father and then you decide, right. you know, as a guy in a men's group or who's interested in men's work, you know, you think about when the father, when the son decides like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to take this, you know, cue from the father, you know, I'm going to go into the, sh he's a shoemaker, so I'm going to go into the shoemaking business, you know, Right. and I'm going to an apprentice, and there's a whole, you know, kind of history of that, you know, with fathers and sons, and, you know, I wanted, in a way, I wanted, I felt I had talent, um, it was, it, there was permission, certainly, to explore that, many people grow up in families where there's no permission to do that, so I had the culture to say, yeah, you could, you could do that. You could be an actor if you really feel you have it, um, or a writer, because my dad was a prolific writer. Many people don't know that, but he wrote a lot of TV and film. Um, and so I kind of grew up in that. The double side of that, of course, is there's kind of a curse, too. You know? It's like right, the shadow exactly. of that is, you know, he's really famous. And how will you ever, you know, match that Live kind up. of fame? Yeah, how will you live up. up to it? Can you live up to it? And so people look at you with a kind of measured, you're like, well, he, he's probably talented, but is he, you know, his dad is really famous. And, you know, that can be a real curse. So you, you end up forging, if you mean it, and you're an artist, I guess, you, you forge your own path. And you say, well, I'll, I'll take all the best I can from it, and I'll, I'll overcome the, the hurdles, you know, as, as they appear. And I will say that my dad was, was supportive. He wasn't nepotistic in any way, really. Uh, you know, he was very, uh, a little more stringent about those things. Um, you know, he did what he could to be supportive. But I'd say, you know, it was more of a spiritual support than uh, physical in that sense. But um, in, what do you, in what way was it, what, in what way was it a spiritual uh, support. Well, I mean, in a sense of teaching to some degree, you know, what what is talent? How do you recognize it? What is your own talent? How do you pursue that talent? How do you right. know? As I said, he was a very well-recognized actor. He was a very committed writer, which is a very solitary process, and I'd say he gave me that as well. Uh, he gave me an appreciation and a love for art and film, uh, particularly, you know, the masters. Um, so he really, you know, my dad was a dedicated artist. He never, I would say, didn't, you know, completely fulfill the things that he really wanted, um, which he would have said before he passed away. But uh, so, you know, he, you, get, you, you can gain that as a sort of uh, spiritual legacy, if you will. So 
So I went on and I, I dared to say, well, I'm going to make film. Then. I'm going to act. I'm going to make film. I'm going to do theater. Um, I'll do it even if I have no money to do it, uh, which is I've had many experiences as an independent filmmaker um, and as a theater artist. So, you know, those are sort of spiritual values about that type of art that I think my dad did, did give me, you know. Yeah. So that's, that's the answer to that. And in any case, you know, by my early 20s, I was starting to get some work. Uh, I was a New York actor, um, started to do theater, and, of course, training for years and years, lots of training, and um, started to work um, TV and film. And, and then, you know, uh, by the time you get into your 30s and 40s, you start saying, you know, maybe I'm not getting the kind of opportunities I really want the opportunities I get aren't matching my talent the way I see it. So I got to start making stuff. Right. And, um, and I think a lot of us, you know what I mean? A lot of us get to that point in our lives where we, you know, we we feel we're, we're not being fulfilled and we have to, you know, we start to question, well, what's missing and how can I, (laughs) how can I find that? I mean, I went through that myself, you know, so you sure. go through that sure. period of, hey, how can I, how can I really satisfy this missing piece or go in that direction? And so you started making films, right? I did. I started started collaborating with with colleagues. Uh, you know, even if we had didn't have a dime between us, we'd say, well, you know, what can we do? You know, I certainly know how to put on a play and direct it and get theater up. Uh, film isn't that far away. In fact, my own father said that to me after I did the show. He says, you know, you can do this. You can make film. It's not that different. In fact, you know, putting on a, on a, a theatrical production can be, you know, even more headaches than making a film. So I started to venture out, and the first one I did, I produced and starred in with uh, my friend Maria Geis directed. It was an adaptation of a very famous Norwegian novel called Hunger, which was a famous existentialist novel in the late 1890 by Knut Hampson. And we made that guerrilla style on the streets of Hollywood. Uh, It's about about a writer who's basically starving but is dedicated to, to writing. And it's kind of a comedy, kind of an existentialist drama. And uh, we did that. took us, you know, quite some time to complete it. Uh, eventually, though, it went to festival and got around the world. And we wound up in Norway getting a standing ovation, you know, in front of a, a all-Norwegian audience who knew this book really well, you know. So, you know, it's like I pursued making film, you know, even when there was no resources there. Um, the Reflecting Pool came after that, also produced, co-starred, and helped develop it um, with my, my partner, the director, a Polish director named Jarek Kupsch. And Jarek and I um, and his wife Jody, the three of us made that film. You know, we, it took us about two, three years. And it, it, it really got around. It's the first, you said in the very beginning, it's, it's a 9-11 drama. It's it's a drama uh, that shows how the investigation of 9-11 was uh, mediocre at best and certainly did not include all the facts. And um, 
is cause for great speculation on how 9-11 really happened. So that was political time for me, too, saying, like, well, film and art should also carry a message. It should also try to do something. And in a way, you know, that, that leads into eventually my work on Welcome to the Men's Group, which we could talk more so about. So you're looking, so you get to that point to where you're looking for more meaning in your life, more significance, and and you and you then it leads you to 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 the film. But but what was going on before you you did the film? Welcome to the Men's Group. What was going on? Did you start to question who you were as a man or what it means to? It's interesting. I I like to sing and play the piano, and one of the songs. Yeah. I I play as is by Nina Simone. I wish I knew how it would feel to be free, and and mm. and and there's a so if I get the verse right, there's a verse where, you know, I wish I could share all the love in my heart. Um, mm. I'll share all the love in my heart, and I wish yeah. you knew, and I wish you knew what it would mean to be me, and then all men. Mm would be free and it is this idea of being a man and and to you know to how do we uh, how do we really express ourselves and and be providers and just all the complexities of being providers Uh, being sensitive being sensitive at the same time so uh and we start to we start to, to do work on that about ourselves and so you go ahead and and I just uh in your story and and again I mentioned about you 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 came up with walking in your shoes body body yeah. men process for um transpersonal growth process. right for and you said yeah. a lot of life coaches and therapists use this method so so in your story did that come before the film yeah so so now you're you're bringing up sort of the other the other passion of of of, of my life. Uh, well, that's good. And that huh? is, yeah, yeah. So there's a passion about creating and performing and telling stories. My other passion, uh, it turns out, is a kind of, well, a kind of spiritual personal development. And I was lucky to have another father figure at one point. Uh, he's passed away now, but he was certainly a spiritual father, a mentor, uh, named John Cogswell. He was a clinical psychologist uh, uh, for many, many years, over 40 years in Los Angeles. He he had trained uh, traditionally, uh, though he was sort of in the school with a guy under Carl Rogers. So uh, he's a humanistic psychologist, and but he was a practicing Buddhist and very spiritual guy. Uh, and I'd been attracted to that view of reality, let's say, um, for many years. And so when I was quite young, I, I started working with John, and we began to experiment with a technique which we now and have called for many years now walking in your shoes. And walking in your shoes, or for short, just walking, is a combination of using the deep empathy uh, that is the gift of the human being, a transcendence and empathy, uh, movement, mindfulness, 
and a kind of deep somatic process work. So by what that means is you, 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 you have a transpersonal experience of the other. And the other can be another person. Uh, it can be a part of yourself. It can be any subject. But initially, we began over you know, 30 years ago now working with just doing these what we call walks of one another. And then we expanded it to working with people in groups, workshops, and eventually in a therapeutic form. And there's something that's quite extraordinary that happens when you say, for instance, I would say, I am, I am now Mark. I am now you. And I don't try to imitate you because I don't even really know you. But I tune in to my body's intelligence. Let's call it the native intuition of the body. And I start to receive a kind of, you know, certain messages, feelings, uh, felt sense, uh, impulses, things that arrive in my body that are mark. And you trust mm. that experience and learn through practice how to let it unfold. And I become like a little, like kind of an empathic mirror to mark. And things may come up, things, tensions, uh, gifts obstacles, things in my psychological awareness, how I see the world. And this has a kind of empowering effect on Mark, who has asked Joseph to walk for him. And so there is a kind of, um, some people say it's a form of almost like personal channeling, if you will. Or but, psychodrama. Uh, we don't use, it or has roots in psychodrama, but it's even more immediate because there's no... Uh -huh. There's no intellectual process, but it's not relying on cognitive function. It's relying on a deep intuition and how it manifests organically in the body. So it's quite extraordinary. If you want, people can get more information if they go to the, my, you know, Walking in Your Shoes website. And it grew over the years to be a viable technique, both for psychologists, coaches. Uh, certainly, I took it into my theater work and working with actors and directors and writers uh, and now 25 years later I'm I do workshops in multiple countries uh, teaching wow. people how to facilitate this empathic work um, I think there's a lot of other modalities out there that grew along the same timeline that are similar constellation work for instance uh, systemic constellation um, certainly gestalt therapy has some roots in this um, body-centered psychotherapy. Uh, um, uh, what's the one that um, for trauma work, uh, somatic experiencing of Peter Levine. See, all of these combine in a certain way in the walking technique. And walking is very important that it uses movement to engender awareness, to, to get more consciousness. The movement well, is kind of a treat. What's interesting yeah. is your... your, your, your um right now talking about walking, and I'm listening to you, yeah. and I'm walking. I have my headset on. <laughs> and I'm ah, walking very good. I'm walking around. Uh -huh. Okay, i got to be walking. That's a big thing. Walking is, is, is such a – we use walking as sort of the default movement in the technique. So it means uh -huh. to say, I will now, you know, if I'm going to be Mark or I'm going to – perhaps yeah, I'm yeah. going to be Mark's uh, relationship to his work or his partner – and I start to actually walk. I walk around the room, and I listen to how my body informs me. And that's 
that's the essence of the technique, but it's very far-reaching. It, it essentially, it's a form of empowerment to another person. And you might, you might, you know, by being seen so fully and felt fully by another person, it has an empowering effect on the client. And, and I would say that the client, too, if Mark decides to walk his own issue, let's say, whatever it is, if it's his uh, fear about, you know, a relationship or the joy of work or whatever, you will embody it to a degree that is transformative, that, that shows you something in your body. And that's the essence of walking in your shoes. Uh, it's, wow. It's Powerful. a profound technique. And I, I've been, you know, it kind of found me or I helped co-create it, if you will, and and I'm still doing it, and it's growing each year. There's, there's an institute here uh, in California and in Germany. And we and have by the trained way, just, facilitators uh, in multiple countries. Yeah. Before I forget, it is mm. people can get a hold of you just by emailing you at, or going to your website? Oh, definitely, yeah. You can, I'm very reachable through the Walking in Your Shoes Institute website or josephcult.com. You can always go just I have a dot com, of course. But all of this, well, you know, let's 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 get into the, group, uh, you know? yeah, the the men's mm. group because we're we you know we're yep. running out <laughs> no, of time here. Last, I want to make sure we and what's yeah. let me just um, what's what I'm curious about is is I when I read uh, before the show started that the film originally came out and it, it didn't get a lot of distributorship initially. But then with the Me Too movement, all of a sudden people got interested in, in, the, in your film, which I thought was interesting. Well, that's, that's interesting. So just to, to, to give a little thumbnail here. So the uh, Welcome to the Men's Group is a comedy drama. I do say comedy because it is funny. But I also say drama because it's about very, very uh, poignant and important issues about men today. Um, my part, my co-writer, co-producer, and I uh, were both in a men's group. I've been in a men's group for I've been in men's groups for almost 20 years, basically. And I came to them because I, I like a lot of men, have felt the need for that kind of community, that kind of support, and the the, the deep work that goes on with men today. Men are masculinity is evolving, and we are a part of that evolution and you know men today are not the men of, of my father's generation or, or even my grandfather or great-grandfather we are certainly developing a new language and a, a new attitudes that are more you know suited to our current environment uh, right. the me too movement which exploded in the last year is evidence of that and and you know men's work has been going on for as Warren Farrell, you know, knows for probably over 40 years now, but in the last 20 plus years, it's really accelerated. Uh, it got marginalized for a while by the media because they were very afraid of it and they made fun of it. But that's changed, and men are, up, you know, men's groups are a powerful uh, resource for men today. And so, I decided to finally make a film about it with my uh, co-writer. And we said, you know, it's not a documentary. It's about some men who meet on a given day 
to do this kind of consciousness work with each other. But on this, it's a drama, it's a piece of entertainment. So we watch these eight men talk about them themselves and their issues, but it also, a lot of conflict comes up and they have to deal with some very difficult things. And it gets a bit chaotic and goes off the rails, so you get to see the sort of, uh, we, as I say, we celebrate the, 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 the noble and absurd aspects of men. <laughs> so, right. you know, because we have a certain absurdity to the whole thing, too, our extreme feelings, all of that. And how do we become, you know, how do we be authentic? You know, that's really what it's really about. Men being authentic, which means open to their fears, their vulnerability, their strength, um, their gift, and, um, you know, their relationship to each other. And that's what the film's really about. And I invite everybody to take a look. It's out on Amazon and various platforms now. And I'd say, yes, I think it's more relevant now. It was finished in, like, 2016, and I did a lot of festivals and stuff, a lot of screenings. But then when Me Too happened, it's like, yeah, you know, this is the men are over here saying, how are we going to be? How are we going to do this? How are we going to be better men, you know? How do we be real um, without hurting other people, you know? And that's what the movie's about. It has some amazing actors in it. Uh, it's it's a compelling roller coaster of emotion, and um, I think it's well worth uh, the view. I hope people that will go great. check it I, out. I I enjoyed it a, a lot, and I it was in Marin. It was all of a sudden the word got around, and when I went to the film, I couldn't believe the number of people I knew there. <laughs> I knew, knew oh, people in the audience. Yeah. Um, Big screen. Yeah. So, awesome. so what? What? Um, so the the film now is on Amazon Prime. Is 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 where people can see it. Yes, they can see Amazon Prime, Google Play, iTunes. I think it's on many uh, in demand networks, uh-huh. which is through cable systems. You so you can call it uh-huh. up there, and um, please go check it out. It's 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 quite an intriguing film, and and not one that you'll. There's, I think there's no film quite like it, to be honest. It's great. And that's, you know, saying a lot. Yeah. It's, um, it's unique. You know, if you want to see men really, the inner life of men and them really tackle questions that all men tackle. And, and women out there have supported this film. They love this film. They, it is not misogynist. It is absolutely getting into the nitty-gritty of males being intimate. And that's something that all women are really interested in seeing, you know, and, and feeling more intimacy with men. So, right. yeah, welcome to the men's group. I'm very proud of this piece. And, and right now, the future, we're, we're trying to even get it mounted as a series because I think it would be a tremendous be a great series. Uh, weekly series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah great really series. do a lot yeah. of stories. Yeah. Well, you know what I like to do is is near the end of the show is there are a few questions I, I like to ask my guest, and being that this is the Inspire Possibility Show, what what yeah. gives you hope right now? I mean, the world is kind of chaotic, but you know, I think in a lot of ways it's always been chaotic. And and yeah, you know what, of course. <laughs> so what gives you, what what you know? I mean, I have a perspective. I remember Nixon and you know things like that and. 
fascinations, and but wow. in all of it, you know, I would say, what gives mm. you hope? Well, you know, what gives me hope? You know, when I feel I feel hopeless sometimes, and even verging on a kind of defeat, you know. I think we all mm-hmm. have that moment, you know. Like sure. How can I? How do we even keep trying? You know, politically, most many of us feel just completely ignored. Like, am I just crazy here? You know, how right. do these attitudes? Why isn't? Th- why aren't things changing the way we know they should? You know, all right. of that. And so, I don't know. I think. You know, going, what gives me hope, I mean, somebody said, you know, I'm very cynical, uh, not me, but they were talking about themselves because things are really going, you know, environmentally, politically, blah, blah, blah. Uh, But I do look at, you know, there's a lot of people out there, particularly young people, with all all they're facing who are motivated, who are engaging in the problem, whether it's politically, environmentally, uh, educationally. You know, I have, I, I have two uh, uh, kids that are young adults now, and, you know, I, I, I believe that they will step up in one way or the other, and I think there's a lot of hope there. But for me personally, my hope comes from going back to the moment, and I really mean that. I mean, when I do the walking in your shoes work or um, or engage people in a creative way, uh, I'm in the moment very fully, and that's where everything is happening. You know, it's like Thich Nhat Hanh, the great Buddhist who's about to pass away, said, you know, life is only in the present moment. It's only here. It's only in this moment that you and I are communicating where life is really happening. And if we go to that, and really are mindful on it, I think there's a lot of hope. There's life. There's aliveness. There's possibility. There's change. You know? So I, I, I don't know. I hope I'm not getting out with some sort of new age answer there, but that I really no, feel... No, but I, 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 it's just interesting to hear your perspective <laughs> and, and about being in the moment, being in the now, as much as you can and then to have a vision for the future so thank you joseph for being my guest on the inspire possibility show this time went really quick and do it again and i'm gonna we'll talk we'll talk off air here (laughs) right so thanks again and and everybody out there thank you for listening and and until next week when we have another amazing guest journey on Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you feel inspired to take the next step in your life. And if you haven't already, please take the time to visit my website at inspirepossibility.com and discover the various services and products we offer that could just very well change your life.